Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of the Grunge Bible Podcast. My name is Chris Salona. So we welcome you in. I am joined by Ethan Shalloway on this lovely day. Great day to talk music. Ethan, how's it going? It's going really well, Chris. Uh, my energy levels are high. Um, we are recording this on, what is this, a Tuesday? So it's feels, Tuesday, June feels 7th. Feels midweek. Yeah, we're, um, I, I don't know, I'm feeling really good. Uh, we just had a really good interview, so... Um, yeah, I just I feel excited. I'm, I'm really I'm happy to be here. Absolutely. Um, I, I co-sign all of those thoughts. I feel great. Um, that was a fantastic conversation that I'm really looking forward to presenting to everybody. Um, thing, things are great. And we've got we've got our co-pilots here for those who are watching. Um, that's very, very important. Im- very important. Very important. I'm assuming that yours is from the uh providence is is he is he a like uh, a new england guy my my guy's from maine he must be so he's, I, I believe, he's a top, I he's, top of the he's an east coast atlantic ocean seafaring man um for those listening on spotify or apple music or wherever you're listening um we we have our, our co-pilot uh, seafaring captains with us on screen um and yeah it's just important that's all Mine's there is to a, it. My guy's got a pipe on yeah, it. Which I, is, I, I, I'm my assuming, guy needs a pipe. But he's got, well, I'm assuming. I'm sure my, he had my, one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He lost he's, it to the both, seas. They both have beards. Yeah. Absolutely. Incredible. Incredible stuff right here. Yeah. This is incredible. And what's that's also That's why you guys join. That's why everybody yeah. joins on to the YouTube, uh, the Grunge Bible Podcast YouTube, is so they exactly. can see props like this. You get, you get this. the bonus cuts and you get to see if we're wearing hats and uh, how, we terrible, both are today. how yeah. terrible our hair is when we don't wear hats. <laughs> Um, but I'm excited today because as we were, we were mentioning earlier, we just got finished with a great conversation and, uh, very excited, uh, for this episode to share with everybody. Uh, we had the opportunity to sit down with D Gerhardt and James Daniels, uh, who are members of a band from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania called Chestnut Grove. Um, Chestnut Grove has been together for over 10 years now and they've released quite a bit of good music along the way and uh ethan we had a great conversation with them today in advance of an ep that's coming out later this year we were able to talk about their their path into music how they became friends influences stylistic changes the music industry playing shows it was really a all-encompassing conversation and i had a lot of fun getting to talk to d and james yeah, I'm re- I'm really happy we were able to do this. Um, they were actually when I was in in high school, they were a few grades get grades ahead, and they played music, and and my band played music, so um, kind of connected that way. And actually, uh, D, her dad was my one of my first drum teachers, so yeah. um, it's kind of cool to follow along for the past ten years and see them. Um, as James said, a slow crawl to where they are now, which which can be the music industry at times. So um, it's a really good. Uh, in-depth look of you know what that looks like you know that that kind of the building off of years and going through covid and different stuff so totally. it was really cool I'm, I'm i was really happy to have them on um because they really do have some awesome music out there probably one of the better bands you've never heard of and that's why we had them on today so more yeah. people can hear them that's would, our job you know chris this at is the end our of the job day. this is why we do this podcast and uh, we are able to do this podcast and able to present this interview and many like it past and future um, thanks to our top-level patrons over on Patreon, uh, and at the time of this recording here on June 7th, that list is as follows. We would like to thank Darian Riddle, Alex Long, Captain Hightop, Black Hole Sean, Sue, Nikki Six, Laura Nyreen, Chris LSMS, 
Sonny Mashburn, Mary Ann, Kayla Jean, Alexis Shannon, What the Fuck's Up Denny's, our number one fan from Australia, Release, Millie, Jamie Lynn, Fresh Tendonitis, Seattle 4 Fanboy from New Jersey, Carlene Salona, The Blue Owl, Kara Kay, Wayne Staley, Jade Mercado, Doug Endy, Fuck Soup, and Rachel Corning. So to all of those individuals who are contributing to our Patreon at the $10 level, who I all just named, all of those members... In addition, everyone at the 5 and $2 levels, thank you for allowing us to have these conversations with musicians, with artists, with creators, and uh, for the opportunity that we have to use this space to to share, share in these passions that we have yeah. and spread the word about some great art that's out there. Yeah, we're really excited to be able to announce all those names. If you have, this is coming, we are recording this a little bit earlier than when it's a few weeks before it comes out. So if you join since then, your shout out is coming. Um, it's on the way. So uh, look forward to that. Um, and if you would like your name to be announced in the beginning, well, you know, there's an easy way to solve that. That's join join the it's League really of Patrons. Simple. Join the League of Patrons we have. Uh, all the links are yeah. found Lead right on the our front. website, on our Instagram, um, and in the bio. So, Go ahead and if you feel the need or if you feel the uh, the push to support the Grunge Bible uh, page and podcast, uh, please seek that out. Yep, it's there for the taking. So uh, without any further delays and or tomfoolery, let's get into this interview with D. Gerhart and James Daniels from Chestnut Grove. And we are here in the studio live right now. We have Chestnut Grove. We have James and D and Chris. How is everybody doing today? Hanging in there, huh? Yeah, yeah, real good. Uh, it's kind of gloomy and rainy here. That's all right. It's still a nice day. Yeah. Are you guys in? Uh, you guys in Pennsylvania right now? Or are you guys on the move at all? Or no, we're in Pennsylvania. We're at my house in Boyertown still. But we are about to hit the road. We're about to head down to Virginia, and North Carolina this week. Yeah, Thursday and Friday. That's awesome. Yes. So for everybody out there right now, we have a local band from my area. Actually, they went to the same high school um, a few years older, I think in my brother's grade. You guys were in my brother's grade, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I graduated. Yeah, you guys were in yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty cool. And I'm actually, D, I'm pretty sure your dad was my drum teacher for um, like a few months. Almost positive, right? 100% positive. Yeah, right? She, she's been my drum teacher for a bunch of years. <laughs> this is all full circle right now. It's unbelievable. Yeah, so we, we've, we're pretty closely connected and played a lot of the same, I mean, we played the same areas, um, not at the same time. I don't know, maybe a battle of the bands or something when I used to play, but high school. Um, for yeah, sure. high school. And I went off and did some sports, so I haven't been in the music world, but you guys have continued to play and have been doing the Philadelphia music scene for a long time. And we're, I'm really excited to have you guys on here and talk and kind of catch up because I haven't been local in a long time. Um, but my dad has seen you guys play and at the Sly Fox, I think, at least once or twice and stuff. And so, I, I mean, I keep up with you guys. And um, it's it's really cool to see you guys still going after it. So um, before I speak too much, I want to give you guys the floor and kind of give a little bio for um, who you guys are, how long you guys have been doing it, because it has been a little bit. So and anything that you want to... <coughs> kind of let the people know before we get into, you know, our burning questions that we have. Uh, well, <laughs> burning questions. Uh, oh, yeah. like, like you said, we're Chestnut Grove. Uh, we're from outside of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. When we're not in the PA Philly area, we say Philly. That's Absolutely. where we tell everybody we're you from. Got to. Same here. Uh, that's exactly what it, it keeps it easy. 
we're from Perky, Omenville, Pennsylvania, and then we went to where Ethan went to high school, Boyertown High School, which is where my house is located in that town. So repping, it's repping we the weird it's place we, we went to high school. Yeah. Um, but uh, the band started out of that high school. Uh, I think we were all seniors when we officially named it Chestnut Grove, and started like playing in a band together. And then like about a year after high school, we had like our full band assembled like around 2012 yeah and then fast forward to 2015 that's when we actually came out with the record like i could go on and on and on forever about my massive history with d and <laughs> this whole band but we'll make it quick and like around 2015 we came out with our first record uh at world cafe live in philly and then it's been a slow crawl since then like we thought things were gonna take off right after that and you know life hit and that's not really how it works so we've just been slow crawling since then <clears throat> but over the past year uh we've had success with like wxpn radio 1045 uh, eqx up in new york and uh i don't remember the name of the station out in appleton i apologize i know code zero radio and then there's another one uh so like we've had a little bit of success at a few places and then you know some gigs up and down the east coast but that's pretty much it and then this year we're hitting it pretty hard and trying to get out there and play as much as possible and all that kind of stuff. It's pretty much bouncing back after COVID. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, it was a slow two years. Right before everything hit and slowed down uh, for us, we were very busy in 2019, and then we had our busiest tour ever booked for 2020, and then we had to cancel it. So. Oh, my goodness. So now it's like scrambling to make up for lost time <laughs> almost. It could, it, uh, or fortunately for us, it is scrambling to make up for lost time, and it does feel like that in a lot of ways. But fortunately for us, like, We've stayed on the tier we were at. We got yeah. Exponential Music Fest this year, which is really big. That's XPN, 88.5 XPN's festival that they have at Wiggins Park. And it used to be BB&T Center and stuff. They have that there. So, like, that's, like, the biggest fest we've ever gotten into. So, like, that's that's good for us. We're, like, working towards those type of goals. So, like, it's good to get yeah. that. And you guys are, for the people out there, they have, I mean, I remember you guys played a lot of, like, classic rock and like more rock and roll and then you went more folk indie and, and kind of bluesy and a lot of folk i mean so you guys are primarily a live band i mean you guys really i feel like that's like you know festivals and playing live music outdoor shows is really where you guys you know hammer home so was the was covid like a good time to get in the studio did you guys get were able to record a lot of stuff or yeah how that was that... actually a blessing in disguise because yeah. we are a live band so Getting to actually sit down and forced be forced to, yeah. to listen to yourself raw. And we actually worked in my basement a little bit over COVID and started writing in my basement. So we just stripped it down as raw as it could possibly be in an environment that we weren't exactly used to. So it was a nice change of pace. Yeah, our newest stuff, like we, we have like identified ourselves as like an Americana uh, mm. indie yep. band. That's kind of what like we've been coined as like through our publicist and uh, like the radio and all that kind of stuff. But uh, our new EP, which is not out yet, but it's going to be called Can't Stand the Music. Um, it comes out sometime around August or September. Fall will be the latest it will come out, but it should be out before the end of summer. Um, it has like, we, we use a lot more synth on it and stuff like that. So like, it's got a different vibe. It's a lot more layered. Like you asked, like yeah. we were a live band, but now we're a little bit more of a studio act. We've kind of cut our teeth in a studio with our producer, Derek Chafin for the past, two years we did the album our last release with him 
which was like a step in the right direction. And then this one's really like our first real studio yeah. effort. So like, I feel like we're going to hopefully turn some heads a little bit. Cause it definitely sounds different. It's, it's not exactly the same thing. Like we're pushing in a somewhat more modern direction, but we didn't, I don't think we really lost anything we were doing. If no. anything, we gained a lot more yeah. out of it. But it's, uh, it's not the same chestnut grove you've heard before. Yeah, but we're really excited for the new stuff to come out because, like, two years of being able to like rework it. I, I specifically even used the term when we were first at it. I was like, "Look, this is probably the worst thing that could happen to us, honestly." But the whole world's suffering it, and we're not alone in this. So, like, to feel that self-centered would just be ridiculous so i was like let's just like embrace this and take it head on and like act like we're 14 again and get to like re-brand our craft almost and be able to like recreate how we can do this and that's really what we did like we all sat down as if we were like just starting to play an instrument even though we played together for 10 years and we were like let's act like we're a brand new band let's like really refocus our efforts and see if we can actually accomplish our goals in this and, <laughs> and the nice part is you guys don't lose you know the passion you have on stage actually it probably gives you a little bit more passion coming back to the stage now so you guys still have all of your live performance experience but now you have another you developed another side of your band that oh yeah is really going to help you moving forward i think because you can always go back to your roots yes it, it yeah. it's created a lot of space almost on stage everything used to feel like so fast and mm. almost like you couldn't keep up with everybody and everything going on around you. And nowadays it feels like we've had a, I think we've been back for like 10 shows together as Chestnut Grove. Like, and we played a handful throughout like the COVID years. We had an album release at Ardmore with like half capacity and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And we like, we did things, but it was just not the same, obviously. But, uh, totally. it, it prepared us for what we're about to do this summer. And like our last string of shows, I, we definitely, have had more chemistry. Like there's more time to like kind of look at each other and communicate on stage. Like kind of like you said about sports, like it feels more like a cohesive team. Like we're running up and down the court better. Yeah. No Hail Marys. (laughs) It makes a big difference too. Yeah. So with this stylistic shift that you're kind of experiencing and you're working on this year with the EP coming out, um, it wouldn't be a surprise to me if you draw influences from a lot of different genres and a lot of different acts. And you both have been playing together for quite a long time and, you know, you went to school together. So could you kind of talk about some of the influences that you have? You know, maybe was there like a common thread of a type of music that you both liked that brought you together? Or was it just kind of like a melting pot of different things uh i've actually been excited for this question because we're on grunge bible and oh here we go obviously we have to know where your grunge influences lie as well well it's we almost get to start there uh like it was between psychedelic rock and like grunge music like between like zeppelin and nirvana that was like somewhere where our energy lied but in our early days and Mm. That's really just because we were in 11th grade starting a rock and roll band together. So we set up in my barn, so not a garage. We're barn rock, not garage Same rock. here, dude. That yep. was us. Barn, barn rock. rock. Yeah, barn. So, so like uh, we were raised up doing grungy barn rock. We all had like terribly long hair, wore a ton of flannel. Absolutely. Uh, that was really our image in the beginning. I wish we, I, I, I'll dig up a couple pictures and send them to you so you maybe can yeah. pull them up when we say Yeah, that. totally. But, mm-hmm. um, there are really some grungy looking pictures. Like we look basically like Pearl Jam. Oh, yeah. D looks like Dave yeah, Grohl sure. when we were younger. <laughs> Hell crazy. yeah. But, uh, it, you know, so that was like the early days. But then, you know, there's so much like, and we've grown up over the years. So like you go into that college phase and get into like a bunch of indie rock, like Dr. Dog and like, mm-hmm. I, you know, I could go on and on and on. And then like you go 
into soul phases like you get like really all of us i think got into like funk and soul music yeah and how that blended into like modern indie music and how that like works nowadays so i think that's like where we're at now i could go on and on about influences and right. it's the, the it's beatles, almost endless yeah, the, beatles, the beatles are always like tops because we're also like now becoming more of a vocal band than just yeah. like a guitar solo rock and roll show like yeah all, all of us, us are singing all now. of us are singing like it's not just d and i like john wrote one of the bigger hits from our last ep hits so-called you know whatever that means but oh, yeah um to our small audience that we have like it's a hit to them so um you know, everybody's like involved. We're kind of like a cohesive unit. Like, you know, we yeah. look up to bands like Fleetwood Mac, the Beatles, the band, uh, Talking mm-hmm. Heads, you know, oh, yeah. Talking Heads doesn't have as much singing cohesiveness, but that band is like a sound a style a that is very specific, <laughs> but we can go all the way back to like early things like Nirvana. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a massive Foo Fighters fan, uh, RIP yeah. Taylor Hawkins. Yeah. Really uh, sad. It was the worst ever. Uh, he literally was my favorite. Like growing up, I used to joke all the time when I was young about naming my kid Hawkins. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that one hit me pretty hard too. As we've lost a lot in the music scene, and for some reason, that one felt like. I mean, of course, I mean, I was born was drummers nowhere? too. Like it's kind. I I mean, not to compare. I don't even like when people do it, but like it must nah. have been like when like. You know, my dad played drums when I was younger, and he's like, you know, it's like when Bonham, like he's Bonham like, died, you have yeah. tickets for that tour, and like, you know, and then you just think about like how much we love them just as fans, and then you're like, couldn't imagine how Dave and the band and yeah, and that's kind of what I was getting to. Yeah. Like when you're that big of a fan of someone, like I, I, this is the best way I can relate, like why you're so sad almost when you lose someone like that, because like it's not like you knew them or anything, but like you become such a big fan that you can relate to the fact that they're a person, and yeah. like everybody in their residual life is going through so much hurt than you even are. Yeah. So like, I don't know. It was just a big and loss. So like, it's like and that's F- why I've loved the Foo Fighters so much too, because Taylor and they're Dave are just affair. yeah, they're just they're just great friends that play music together, and like that's what I've always loved about the band. And and like I I mean we we talked about it before, and the best part about like be, the beginning of the Foo was just Dave, but then it became Dave and Taylor. Like and it was oh, like they they were the Foo like the two of them were the Foo Fighters, even though it it stemmed from Dave. Oh, I, I love. I that. mean. You asked about influences, like you talk about live show, like we're a live band, and oh, yeah. I, I, that was like the first real concert I ever went to. Yeah, like when I was in like Incredible. ninth grade, I went to a Foo Fighter show, and then I saw about nine more in my lifetime. Yeah. So I've been to I think about eight or nine Foo Fighter shows. I think I That's might be awesome. maybe seven. I don't know. I can't yeah. remember a lot. So, I've been to like three, but I say seven as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, well, I think I've been to more than three. It's been I, I went almost yeah. every year in a row for like a good five or six years, I think, and. I like model. We don't have the same sound or like the same style of writing in any way, shape or form, but I like model the way we make a set list and like hey. our energy of a show off of like what I learned from going to Foo Fighters shows. Like they like have yeah. the coolest show structure on the face. Yeah. Of <laughs> I, that's what I told, I told Chris a lot too. Like those shows, they, they just, Dave has such a presence. Taylor had such a presence. Everybody had, they did so much with the crowd. Like they were just so interactive that, it was really, it was really a great show every time, and they made sure that, like, they got better each time. So they were always, if, they were always doing something special. If they weren't genuinely happy to be doing it every time, they fooled the hell out of me. Yeah, right. right. Like, you know, they were just like, and I try and keep that too. Like sometimes, like it's hard because <laughs> we're not playing to stadiums or sold out crowds all the time. But like, you know, when there is a crowd there and everything like that, and like you're trying to play and even when the crowds are smaller like you try and keep that energy up like you try and keep that fire yeah. because like that's what people really want to see mm-hmm. so 
Yeah, I think um, one of my, uh, you know, follow along, one of my favorite aspects of you, you guys as a band is how, like, I mean, like you said, you can go on about the influences, but you can generally tell from the conversations we've had and, and watching you guys play that you guys are students of music and just have such a love for the music and are willing to risk and like do do whatever it takes to make it work throughout. And that is, you know, so admirable and such a hard thing. And I feel like music has that type of way where you really got to push through some of the difficult like aspects of making it whatever, you know, to whatever, um, yeah, degree, whatever, that, whatever, de- whatever degree that is. But, um, and also going back speaking. So you guys both sing and both play drums and both play guitar and switch in and out. If I'm, if I'm not, I mean, I barely right? play guitar. I play, barely play gu- yeah. I hold a guitar sometimes. <laughs> he plays like multiple is a multi-instrumentalist and singer, but yeah, but I'll let you continue. Well, I was just saying, because I thought I yeah, remember my you. my dad said that he saw you guys at the Sly Fox Brewing. Um, I guess it was probably maybe right before COVID or something. And um, and I thought he said you guys switched in and out a lot on drums. So I was, you know, I mean, that's just so cool. That's not, you know, Dave, I mean, Dave and Taylor did a little bit, obviously. But like, you know, that's just a cool element when people can kind of move around and mix and it still is really coherent. Um, yeah, do you guys like still do that a lot? We do. We do it a lot. But I think, I don't know, we just have a way of being a lot of different genres throughout our show that I don't think it's abrasive when we change drums. Right. It used to be. It used to be for sure, because I didn't didn't know how to play with I don't even think it was like the drumming lacked or anything like that. It used to just be like stylistically, we didn't blend things as well. Yeah. Yeah. But 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 you guys both have such great voices that are so different. And I I like, I I mean, I think you're right. You guys are, are a vocal almost a vocal driven act right now because it's so unique and i mean that's like what stands out to me when i listen to you guys it's really i mean the musician the music the musical side is really really quite has has went up a ton too i think i'm excited for the new ep for sure yeah that yes i mean so are we we're very eager to get it out honestly we we almost feel as if like the current music is almost an off misrepresentation yeah, of what we're even doing right now. Us, yeah. um, the last <laughs> record was really good. So like the last record we did is like on the right track of like where we're going, um, mm. which it was our first studio thing. Like, you know, I'm, I'm sure like, you know, your, your career as a javelin thrower, like you kind of understand, like you go through, like there's a high school phase, there's a college phase, and then there's, there's like a pro phase. And like, you know, we've gone through all those stages without like being at an institutional level. We've just done that ourselves, like as a band, like we've gone through like our early like grad school phases, like then like your master's degree, <laughs> you know, that's almost yeah. what it felt like going through all of it. Like you just keep getting to like this next level of like understanding, like what your job as a musician and songwriter mm-hmm. and everything like is. Yeah, and then you get somewhere and then you realize you have to learn more. And you have to like, uh, like, like oh crap. Part, like, yeah, it is, yeah. yeah, it's like you reach like a plateau and you're like, oh wow, the next journey's much longer. Yeah. <laughs> like, totally. This kind of leads into a question that I had, um, kind of related to kind of that process and and speaking to the fact that almost the music that's out, as you said, D, is kind of like a almost a misrepresentation of who you are now. How do you kind of square away um, I guess the feelings that you have, for example, when you release your first bit of music in 2015 and probably feeling quite good about that. And as you get older and your style changes and the way that you write songs change, like, are you able to look back and it's kind of like, okay, these have their place in our progression and they're special. Um, but did you, does your opinion of the music that you put out change over time? 
<laughs> James is much more abrasive about it typically, but uh-huh. <laughs> I, I still find the value in all of it because it is a learning experience. And Definitely. like we've had the privilege of starting young and progressing and continuing to do different things. So we didn't just settle on one thing. Right. And I think that speaks volumes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, I think, I mean, I think, I think what happens for me is like certain songs become hard to recreate because like the mechanics in them don't quite make sense to the way you actually learn how to play. And then other songs, like, like, they, like D said, like, I don't think I dislike any of them. Like every yeah. once in a while I go back and like listen to like Perky Omenville or like I even earlier EPs. Them for what they are. Like a lot of the songs, like I really enjoy them still, like for what they are, but some of them just aren't recreatable, but that to be said, like there are like songs on each thing we've released that like have been able to progress in our knowledge of songwriting and our ability to play them. Like we're able to like let it down is able mm-hmm. to be played still. And it's probably not really executed exactly the same as we did before. It's just executed at a more polished level. So right. like it's kind of fun to like certain songs have been fun to watch grow since they've been put on a record. Yeah. Like that's like, like going back and revisiting them at your musical level now i just think the importance of it is like trying to keep it like somewhat cohesive like it's hard to like certain songs do become harder to play like as we're getting older and like our palette and sound is changing Mm -hmm. like the audience we're trying to reach is changing so like in in an hour-long set you start to question like well which songs do you play and how do you build a set so like from the pro from the idea of building like a set list and how do we promote ourselves in the live space mm-hmm. i think that's the only place where it even creates any confusion yeah outside of that like some of them are outdated. all of our music yeah. like makes sense to me like it was all right. a part of like something we were doing and you know all of it has like a special place in my heart because a we wrote it mm-hmm. and yeah. you know everything Absolutely. some of the songs you can see too where like you were like People forgot about this song so we can rehash this thing that we were doing in this song and kind of bring it back to life in a new song so like that's like the beauty of music yeah. so mm-hmm. yeah yeah and, and technically obviously you were speaking about the fact that a lot of the different things from six seven eight years ago technically you've progressed to a certain point but also i would imagine that revisiting those songs kind of almost emotionally can take you back to the headspace that you were in when you were writing it and kind of what was going on and is, does that tend to be kind of a, a roadblock when performing those songs live or is it is it a process to kind of try to immerse yourself into that or what does that look like um mo- do you want I, do you want to go first on that? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You like it sounded really ready to answer. Uh, m- most of them <laughs> don't really like trigger that much. Like front, like in the show, like it's you know, there's a lot of adrenaline. Like there is right. a lot of concentration on like executing everything like that. Certainly. Uh, every time I sing, I know somebody, which is like a very emotional song that John wrote. Mm-hmm. Um, That's if, one of my favorites from you guys. I feel. If we're local, well, shout out, I, I'll let John know that you said that. Uh, I really, I really I, like that I love one. it. I love performing it. I'm honored that he wanted me to do it. Um, he, he, the, the only reason I ended up doing it was because he's like, I feel like, I feel like he wrote it. So he wanted like a raspy kind of like his kind of tone on it and stuff like that to keep it like authentic to him. So like, that's like why we took a stab at it that way for that song. But like um, that one, if we're local, like I have no problem doing it on the road because I don't know anyone, but uh, it's like a very personal song to John. So like if his family is in the crowd or like even my family, like and everybody that knows about it, or even like the music video Eric Campbell made, uh, the video is personally like about like a family, like his sister that he lost. And mm-hmm. so the song like 
is very emotional and has like a lot of like it can evoke a lot of emotion is it yeah. the right word yeah. like uh so like that one sometimes at a show if there's certain people in the audience i have to like have the paul mccartney rule and be like i'm not really going to look at anyone right now and i'm not mm-hmm. going to really think too hard about like the songs and what i'm actually performing kind of just get through it and perform it at a good level so i don't start getting choked up that's like the one song that is easy to like if someone's around locally at ardmore it happened like there's a lot of old friends and everybody kind of knows personally what's actually going on with that song so mm-hmm. i can see all their faces and then it's a little harder to get through that one yeah. yeah so i feel like over time like the more we do songs that have emotional attachments they like get easier to do because you've done them so many times it's almost like going to therapy and like okay <laughs> yeah it out like mm-hmm. you're just kind of like oh, okay all right talked about okay. this before you know yeah. i'm kind of an idiot all right yeah i see that now <laughs> Okay. Well, thank you for pointing it out. So like over the time, it kind of works itself out and Mm. you become more in tune with it as the music. So like you're paying more attention to your technique and hi, Penny, you're paying more attention. Oh, here we go. (laughs) I love dogs. No Um, problem. You're paying more attention to your technique. You're paying more attention to like the space you're giving everyone else. And you're just kind of like listening to it differently when you're performing it but empty i sometimes still cannot like i i don't know that one will just be very very personal and very difficult probably forever yeah no that makes sense and which is why i know even though i didn't even write i know somebody like both of those songs are probably like the most like obvious like song of what they're about and what they feel like right they they are intense to perform live and most of the time like i know somebody goes well as long as i don't know everybody there yeah (laughs) Yeah, and, and I think both of those situations are kind of a testament to the the courage I think it takes to be vulnerable with art because a lot of those things and in, in those situations most people deal with privately or with the trusted, you know, confidants in their in their personal lives and you know to be able to to write something or to take something that was written that's very personal and very emotional and and just kind of lay it bare in front of an audience of people you do know and people you don't know. I I I think the there's definitely a courageous aspect of that that I, I I struggle to relate to having not done something like that. Well, to touch on that, I D brought up like that, like, you know, you write their songs and like as time goes on, like it's like kind of like therapy. Mm-hmm. Like that's like what writing songs is to begin with. Like it's almost like your own your conscious becomes your free therapist. Like that's like what a song is. Like you're kind of like tugging and pulling with thoughts and ideas that you have as a person mm-hmm. and like you're putting pen to paper to try and like figure out your thoughts like that's like that's how i became a songwriter like and i, I think that's the only reason why i still just write songs like it's a healthy way of dealing with how much my brain's constantly thinking about so much crap <laughs> but uh you know that's like where it comes from so like i i guess it's courageous to like be able to perform it and like put it out there but like it feels natural to me. Like, I guess I've done it for so long. Like, I, right. I, I, you know, the first time I remember singing a song that I wrote, you know, I was freaking terrified. So like, <laughs> you know, I'm not going to pretend like I wasn't and that's not a weird thing to do in front of people. But as time goes on, it becomes natural and becomes therapeutic. Like it becomes a good way to let things out there. And like, you become able to be more honest. Like, and I don't know if everybody could be that way, but like me as a songwriter, like, it's just like, I don't know, if I get asked a question about something, I'll probably be pretty just open and honest about it just because that's the way I am with my songwriting to begin with. Mm-hmm. So. 
good to be vulnerable. Mm. Totally. Yep. It's, and it is like, I don't know. It, ha- it has kind of just always been natural or it's felt more natural. Not that I've never been nervous to do it in front of people, but I think any emotion that you're feeling isn't an emotion that someone else hasn't felt somewhere before. Yeah. So human connections all about trying to relate anyway. Relatable. Yep. Yeah. And music is the easiest way I've ever found to connect with people. It's like a universal language. So yeah. definitely. And, Chris and, and I, I think- talk about it. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say, Chris and I talk about this a lot. And one of my favorite parts about going to a live performance and a live show is, you know, it's you get there, everybody has came for, you know, the same reason. They like the music and they probably share really same sentiments for why they like the music, because that's kind of how bands, they have a certain genre, a certain hold on, you know, these emotions and stuff. So you get there and it's like an unspoken, like, like, yeah, we're kind of all in this together and we like this for the same reason. And it's like, it is really nice knowing that. And I think that, you know, concerts are a great way where you're like, yeah, you just kind of, it's like a common, a common understanding and a common love for certain like things. So, yeah. Oh, 100%. Yeah. A con- a that's what the, that's what our page is completely. You know, people yeah. just come and they have like really similar connections to these bands. The bands are vulnerable at times and went through a lot of stuff that they can relate to. And all of a sudden we have this music community on our hands that, likes to interact with each other and we're like oh shit like we have the you know people like it's a good space for people to be in and then so all of a sudden you have you know what it is a little, com- just, a little community you just said shit i forgot i, could, I said freaking earlier because i'm so used to being on I, <laughs> last two times we did an interview i was on the radio oh so, yeah no, no I'm like, can, yeah man, it's, it's open season here whatever you want to yeah, say i'll still try and be careful yeah. my, my my dad still gets mad when he uses the f word too much he says it oh, makes okay. me sound unintelligent so like I'll, yeah yeah <laughs> that's the, the only knock on curse words is it makes you feel unintelligent exactly yeah yeah yeah, yeah. you just got to use them smart like it, i think that's yeah. the first one we use so that was really solid <laughs> we've, been, we've been doing good so far. Yeah. Just have a counter up in the corner. Exactly. Yeah. From now until the end, how many happen now? I'll probably be like, yeah, oh, right. Like <laughs> <laughs> cranking an overdrive here. <laughs> Sorry, we'll have Drew bleep them out now. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be funny. That'd be an added touch. Oh, yeah. Um, so I, I wanted to ask you guys about the Philadelphia music scene because I always talk pretty highly about that now that I've I've lived in Kentucky and, and Alabama and, and I've done a lot of travel. And I'm always like, you know, the Philly music scene, I really appreciate it. I appreciate the venues that we have there. Um, Being a band in the area and probably playing a lot of different venues, one, which is like your favorite to play? Which do you love going? I know you guys play Ardmore, which I love. I've seen some good good acts there. But um, have you guys played a lot like in the city? I know you guys are doing some traveling out outside now. So, well, you know, where do you guys feel as far as like a regional band, how the music scene is there? And do you feel like you need to go somewhere else or you like really want to kind of stay in that area? Or how, you know, how's that all going for you guys? I definitely want to break through in Philly. Uh, I think it's harder to than it might be in some places. Uh, Micro right. markets are a little bit easier to expose yourself in, like Erie, Pennsylvania, Appleton, Wisconsin. Like shout out to a couple of like our, you know, good fan bases that really follow us hard. And not that our home base doesn't. I think the problem with our home base is scale. You just right. like like I think we have a bigger following technically in the Philly area than we really do anywhere else. But it doesn't feel that way sometimes because like you're in Philly, you're constantly trying to like level up. Cause like, it's like, yeah. you know, and we love Ardmore, uh, boot and saddle isn't, I think it's coming back. Yeah. Somebody bought it. Uh, I don't know if union transfer actually owns it still. Mm-hmm. I don't know the actual deal behind that. Um, 
But uh, Boot and Saddle was one of our favorites. We were doing really well there. We sold out a couple shows there. So we were at like the 200 cap level. So I don't think we can actually complain about the Philly music scene. I think our competitive nature is what keeps us from being like, well, we could do better in Philly just because yeah. like you can do like it's such a big. I think we growing up in one of the major markets, like when we were on a smaller and more local level, I think the scene was more intact and together yeah. and we knew what was going on. And I definitely think the fit local scene is awesome. Like there's like a really great, uh, still ever budding like fest scene that a lot of bands like come from in the PA area, like an underground oh, fest scene thing that we all have climbed through and done a bunch of shows for. And that's like more Harrisburg and Lancaster and central and stuff like that. But like, you know, we're in like a hub. So like, we like, it's it's just more competitive here than it feels in some of the smaller markets that I've been in. And the one thing I will say is like the bigger you get in Philly, like it doesn't necessarily feel like a cohesive scene because like there's so it's much. Big, like, yeah. Well, it's, it's weird too. There's so much divide and gap between like the bands that are playing at the same venues. Like you're almost competing to like reach a certain level of like, you know, Spotify listeners or whatever. Like once you start like playing those venues, you're like, okay, we have to broaden ourselves on a national level so that we can bring more heat in our area. So like it becomes just so competitive. I think Philadelphia, like we operate so much as a business that we like just compete to grow here. So it never felt like as much fun as it maybe should be. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just, and that's our faults for being so competitive. Like there's really no compete. There is a great scene yeah. like uh cosmic guilt like our we've got friends in that band we're playing with them at exponential um it, uh i personally am friends with todd fosnott and uh josh aaron in that band we've done like work with them we've played with mutual bands and stuff um it's just such a big scene it's such yeah. a, so like you're always trying to connect with everyone and like grow your network and it's like an ever-growing network I, like so it is an awesome scene like there's no knock on it i just think it's the one thing i would say about being involved in it in general, it's a competitive scene because, like, Philly's a competitive city. Like, <laughs> so I think it has that vibe. Ruthless, yeah. Like, no matter when music's not supposed to be that competitive, but it feels like for some reason all those Philly folks bring that compete level to yeah. it. <laughs> in, in a very mutual respect kind of way. Like I said, like anybody above us, like I love the districts. I love Doctor Dog. Like they're all my favorite bands. Like they're, yeah. right. I, I look up to all those bands. Right. So yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, there's. You know, the, there's a pretty cool music scene here in Birmingham, Alabama, that I feel like you guys would fit pretty well in um, if you ever. We'll have came. to talk. I don't know if, well, we can make yeah. it happen. We we travel yeah. as much as we I was need saying, to. It seems like yes, travel uh, yeah, yeah, uh, quite yeah. a we bit. No, we're trying to go national. Like right now, we're more of just like an East Coast uh, Great Lakes yeah. band. Those are where we've capitalized on like cities that we can actually repeat and play in and sell tickets. But you know, it's an ever growing thing and we're not really trying to hold yeah. us back. Like Europe's I mean, on the cards. <laughs> so, heck yeah. 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 I mean, and, and so I've seen a lot of shows. I mean, we have a one brewing company that has been doing really good. And I think what they did was they pretty much this year, like they've gotten, they've gotten some really smashing pumpkin just paid, played here last week. Oh. Um, and I was away, so I didn't get to see them, but um, but they have like a ton of really big acts like Oliver Trees come in and they have a few others like and I think what they did was they just pretty much like you, they pay they give you all of the earnings because they just make money on beer and they just rather you know so they really are giving a lot of money to the band so a ton of people are coming to play it but you know I've seen Mount Joy there like twice seen Hound, Hound Mouth and there's a lot of stuff that I feel like you guys you guys would do really well here so at some point at, at, at some at some level and there's a great radio station here like I just feel like maybe there's some 
we'll be in touch. There's a place. There's a place for you guys in the south for sure. A little bit. I mean, because. I almost feel like we might do better. When I get out of a ga- our car at a gas station in the south, I hear all the songs I listen to. <laughs> uh, when I get out of the car at a gas station up here, I hear almost none of the songs I listen to, which is no <laughs> knock. I'm not really a music hater at all anymore no. in my life. Uh, but, you know, not everything's my favorite at the end of the day. So, like, yeah. Well, yeah. I, you know, I think that's just a challenge. Like I said, you guys grew up in the, the greater Philadelphia area, so – you know, is getting getting out to the area where you feel like you're maybe it just connects more and it's not so competitive. There's like there's a lot of value in that too, and trying to. So I didn't know if you guys you know realize that that's, or how how. That's why we to, put so much focus into touring and traveling because uh, yeah. it's about like building family. Like I've thought about moving and stuff. Like the the hardest part is just the structure with five people getting right. everybody to make that move. I'm married and have a house, mm. so like there is that side to it. Um, I don't think any of us are opposed to a move. We want, that move would have to be like, you know, because we're working with a label down there it's or hard. the studio yeah. we're going to record the next three albums at is just there. So that would make more sense. Right. Um, like whether that's Austin or Nashville, LA, New York city, probably not New York city. I live close enough to New York city. I would never move in that situation. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not opposed nah. to moving. I don't think it's a nest, a necessary thing in nah. today's music industry. Cause like we always have stayed moving. Like that's why we've grown our band and like actually made some strides and organically have Definitely. fans and listeners. The only reason we haven't really pushed through further is just literal monetary reasons. Like we don't have a lot of background money. Like we don't have the ability to pay for a marketing company. So we've just grown slowly into having an agent being able to afford a publicist. And like, as time goes on, we'll probably be able to afford more and continue to just grow this slowly to a national level. We'll be like the longest. We'll be the band that took the longest ever to be a national act, but I think we'll get there slowly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we were. I mean, Chris and I talk about. I've talked to us a few times on the page, and it's surprising. Like the people that make it at like eighteen right now. I mean, that's not how it. I feel like that's not how it usually goes, and and stuff like this does take time, and I feel like it's. You know that's the way of the road sometimes. So like I don't think you guys are definitely on the right track. It just like a lot of stuff takes, especially to grow like a really. I mean, you know, it took us a long time to grow the page without like. But the best part was we didn't try or we didn't like realize. You know, we had to put a certain amount of energy in posts. Like I mean, it it happened organically, and then you're just like, you know, people actually want to listen to our podcast, which is nice. And you know, the podcast we don't have great numbers, but like the people that listen like like it. So. And it's all that matters. And it's yeah, slowly, how, slowly that's building. That's kind of how we are. Like, we have, like, dedicated fans in a lot of places. So we yeah. believe that we can continue to grow that at a nice yeah. pace. And, like, honestly, you know, I, I've noticed this heavily since, like, we've graduated high school. And, like, being a band kind of trying to take off in the era, era where, like, the internet really rules everything. Right. I'm old-fashioned. Like, I don't really know a lot about a lot of those things. I like hate being on social media platforms and like stuff like that. I'm not really a big fan of any of it, but you know, it, it is the way the industry works right now. And like, it's taken us a long time to kind of buy into that. Number one. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think about a lot of the ways like that we can manage ourselves and push ourselves into those directions. And I've become more on board with the fact that that's the way it's done. And 
we're growing that aspect of our band now. So I think we just did a poor job of really just being like, oh, we'll just play everywhere and everyone will find out about us. And like a scout will come along and like check us out. Like they don't, they don't send A and R reps like yeah. out. Right? Yeah, they're they're not lurking they don't in send the back of clubs anymore. And it, it's sad too because like if you're selling 200 tickets at a boot and saddle consistently or something like that, like they should be sent. Like they should like smaller labels or like some, I think there should be some sort of shift in the industry still where like Sony or like Atlantic or like any of these big record labels that do exist still, I think they should go out and, you know, prop up these smaller record labels a little bit, give them more funding to like sift through these bands and send people out to find bands. Cause I don't think like every band that's good is necessarily so they have someone who went to school for marketing and then they have someone to school who went to school for graphic design. If right. you have someone in your band who went to school for graphic design, and marketing you just have a better chance which is fair you know that's just like how it works but i think it's unfair to the art you know it makes yeah. room for content makers and not art makers yeah like, because the focus of- no longer is strictly on the art like it had been for such a long time because like you said there's that other element that has become it's only becoming more and more important because i think people are placing more and more stock in those types of things yeah and the worst part about it all is it takes a lot of times it it puts pressure on the band and you lose you have to put focus and energy into stuff that takes away from writing and p- performing you have to like you have to really work on like uh, so i mean i wanted to bring up like how is how is working with yeah spotify and the streaming streaming services has that felt like like robbery robbery yes like we you know we're going to we're going to we're going to start talking about with this with more bands but like does it feel like I mean, it's. I guess it's nice because it gives a way for people to like listen to your music and be and be out there. But like, does it feel like you said when you go to sh- go to shows, they probably look at your Spotify and then make decisions based on that. And you're like, well, we just sold sold out Boot and Saddle, so what's more important? You know, the streams are what the people we can get in your doors. But you probably get judged on that, and it's just like not a fa- it's obviously not a fair share either. Um. Yeah, I know I, we're probably I, probably going to go down a rabbit hole here, but I mean, just like no, general ideas, no, like no, I I've been like you know I'm I'm definitely the first one to bitch a ton about <laughs> it and say that it's robbery and stuff like that, and I've toyed with that a lot, but like it's kind of back to what I'm saying about like the necessary evil that it is. Like it is the medium that people are going for. Like I could we can bitch and moan and complain about it all we want, but like if I get people to go to our Spotify and listen, I'm going to get more fans at the end of the day. If I focus on getting people to go there, mm-hmm. then I will on trying to just make people buy CDs. Like, cause it's just not going to happen. Nobody has a CD player in their car. Even a CD is not going to get played. They're not going to become a fan of my music. Cause they bought, I think a lot of people, I think the reason to have CDs is just to get people that are willing to spend $10 at a show on something you have. Yeah. It's basically I think just, just to support you because they support yeah. you. They're not, so, they don't even have to listen to that CD. So I think that's like the main focus is yeah. really like cr- finding a balance between like, I, you know, I want to find a balance in it because I still want to focus on making art. I'd rather make albums. Like we're making an EP right now because COVID was hard and it's easy easier to afford five songs than 12 definitely so you know we're doing an ep out of necessity we have a ton of freaking material like we can we could come out with three records right now if we wanted to it's just not in the cards to record that much and have it come out quality so we we figured like a five song ep is the way to go and that's just because it's a necessary evil you know it's important to have content on a yearly basis at the very least um we're going to try to release a couple more singles in 2023 before we even come out with a full length record, just to continue to have content being released on Spotify. Cause that seems to be the way their algorithm wants you to do things, which, which is tough because it's not really the way you want to make art. Like I think it's already good enough. I don't think it's tough 
in any way. Like we're, we have multiple songwriters. So like I could make a record a year, but I just wish I could just focus on that. Like make an album, go on tour for eight months, come home for two, make an album, go on tour for 12 months, come make a record in between that because you're too busy on the second tour, you know? And like, and I just like wish there was some continuity in the industry like that because there's just not. And it is because you have to figure out how to manipulate a way to give yourself good enough numbers for a label to want you. It's not yeah. a good enough sound and a good enough presence and a good, Oh, they worried about all the things they just don't have the money to promote themselves or the know-how and savvy yeah. to promote themselves. So like you have to worry about all the things that make your band look good, make your band sound good, make your band feel good, it, you know, sell tickets, right. Act right at yeah. venues, know how to do. So you have to learn like, all that it's first. Like selling yourself without the music. And then yeah. if you weren't, you know, like I said, like a person who spends a lot of time working with computer graphics or you come from that professional background as well. And like you have a stockbroker hanging out in your band like that. That's when things kind of skyrocket quickly. And if you don't have that, you got to teach yourself all of that too. So yeah. like you master your life in crafting music and making music. And then you're like, Oh, I also have to be a business manager. I also have to know how to be a social media savvy person. And like, I have to like, so there's just so many things that being in a band is now. And like, I don't really hate it. You know, it is what it is. I'm learning to love all of it. D and I are coming out with a podcast. Uh, we're oh, going to be recording cool. all of it uh, at the end of this month. Actually, we have a bunch of it uh, scheduled to be recorded. It's going to be called literally nuts, which we thought I can't wait to sense. listen. Um, and we're <laughs> just going to have guests on it, like musicians. Uh, you know, I'll probably honestly have Ethan and you guys on at some point just to talk about this show and like yeah, have on to talk about sports and stuff. And like, you know, like it's just to have like people that are also doing these things to like continue to grow our network. So like, yeah. But like, that's the way it's done. Like, if you don't have a podcast, if you don't like push your band in every other platform and way that it can be ex- accessed, you're not really going to find success in today's industry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's one of the, and I don't think it's going to change. Yeah. Unfortunately. Probably not. That's one of the reasons that I think Chris and I started the podcast too. I mean, it was a space for us to create and it, it allowed us to produce something that we like and, and it kind of, lightened up a lot of i mean it's you know it's hard work at at times but it's nice because we have a product and we can use that to if we ever need to market ourselves because rather than just the page in a way and yeah, we, we have a lot of the same difficulties um yeah. and it gives with, us a space whatever, to have whatever. these conversations and, and discuss these yeah. types of things too yeah at some point me and chris are gonna have a record label i think we always talk <laughs> so we should awesome. have signed you guys because <laughs> nice. we have a lot of people a lot of people like send us music but there's not only so much we can do right now obviously yeah but that's why we're having bands on and to talk about their awesome music because i really do believe in you guys i think guests have really good stuff and um i am excited i mean like i've been really i've been listening to whiskey hand i know it's like the you're one of your bigger ones but i think it's it's such a well-built song there's so many different parts to it it's pretty deep and uh man it's it's a really good one i don't know I don't know. How'd you guys write that one? If we, I mean, like, was that, was that a pretty natural, did that one come to you guys pretty naturally? That just happened. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, so, yeah. It makes uh, sense. I wrote the lyrics with a different chord progression originally a long time ago. I actually do remember that. And our film guy, Sean McRoy at the time, uh, I was standing next to him, like just hanging while D was on drums, just jamming with the band to the progression that is whiskey hand. And then we rearranged it and worked on it. Of course. Of course. It's like the whole song, as you hear, it was not born in that moment. But, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know. But John uh, was basically playing the, piano. And yeah, and Gary and Zach were playing. playing like the progression that you do hear was what was happening, is what was happening in the room at the time. And I had the lyrics 
that are whiskey hand in front of me, but they were like a different tune I was working on. And I just started like humming them like without thinking because they were in front of me and like yeah. kind of like singing them to that melody. And Sean, our friend next to me goes, no, oh, dude, that's it. You should just walk. You should just go try that. And I was like, <laughs> all right, dude, I'll try that. <laughs> and it went it really well. And like we developed that song pretty quickly after that, um, you know, and you know, credit to the producer on that one. It, you know, we went in to record three songs with him for that EP. It was a uh, Bill Moyarty who actually recorded good news for people who love bad news by modest mouse. Hell yeah. And, uh, a bunch of Dr. Dog records and a sheepdogs album. So he was like, I like search. I like, you know, forced that to happen. I kind of reached out to like all of his management and contact people and like pushed myself to get in there. And we were really unprepared to be able to be in a recording studio still. Yeah. Uh, so we probably made assholes out of ourselves and looked really stupid. Don't we already, but he accomplished getting whiskey hand done. And I, yeah. you know, it, we did days in the end and what else? Let it down. And we did both of them there. And like, they, they sound great. And like, they were well done, but like, we were just too, young of a band to accomplish the songs in the way that they are now like let it down is a hell of a song and like i it's a shame i'm playing drums on that track but you know (laughs) you know but uh back to the point like uh bill may already made like such a great song with us like with whiskey hand and like he i think that was the focus song when we went in there and you know we accomplished a lot with that song and we kind of took everything we learned from that one recording session and all the mistakes we made recording and everything like and grew from that though like so like it was it was important to you know go record with one of your idols like you're like wow you made a bunch of records i love so i'm gonna you're from philly i'm gonna record with you and then you get in there and you like at least accomplish that and learn everything that's like made us the band we are today was really from like the session that made whiskey hand so you know at least that one stands the test of time and like something we made that young is able to like keep up with things absolutely yeah i love that that ep is one of my i think the one i listen to the most i think that one's really good just i don't know just the songs just make sense to me i mean your new year the the 2021 album was also the album was really good too but that one that that ep has some great stuff like neighbors for now i do i like that one a lot yeah, too. And neighbors for now is recorded by josh aaron one of the people i brought up like in the philly scene he played with the lawsuits at the time um with ron gallo for a he bit. toured with ron gallo for a little while so he's like a great drummer and producer from philly and he did neighbors for now and hot shot in the window off of that so like hmm. well that was like our first like you know we stopped like and no no knock on what you know we come from recording at chaplains so like we cut our teeth at chaplains with chris love chaplains and, too, yeah you know we moved on and moved in with like all the people that like are recording in philly and kind of like making strides with xpn so we tried to like move into that field and then we met derek chafin through like the ardmore music hall and 118 north community and everybody there and derek has been you know, by far the most influential person in how we make music outside of the five of us. Yeah, he's, he's been able to like. He's really like push he's us. like our sixth member. He's he's yeah. Chestnut That's Grove, cool. Martin. Like you know, he like is able to like he was able to push us, and we trusted him, and he was able to tear down like our own insecurities that we had, like about mm-hmm. like, well, if if they change our music, we're not good. You hear the stories of Prince being like, "I know what I want." And right. it's like, I still know what I want. I know what I want better now. Like this producer was brilliant. Like he made That's really cool. Yeah. A real musician. It's so like, he's like, hearing the same thing you're hearing. And if he's not, he's willing to talk about yeah, it. Yeah. So like our, our growth of working with producers really is why we're a decent band. Like from Chris Cachula to where we're at now with Derek Chafin and Bill Moyardi and Josh Aaron in between, like those guys have made us 
who we are as a band. Like we learned every second. So you really learn in the studio. Like you learn live too, but you learn how to play live, live. You learn how to play your instrument for real and be tight and be on point in a studio. Like right. once you're in a studio for the fourth or fifth time, you're like, okay, this is serious. You need to be on, on the ball. Like you need to. <laughs> it's because you're vulnerable and everybody can hear when you mess up. It's yeah. so quiet. You're except like, dude, for you. you fucked that up like five times. Yeah. You're like, yeah, yeah, I know. I'm going to try again. And for me, right, we like, have to run it back, guys. Like, <laughs> you know, at this point, like, you're off the, the click. Records, I only <laughs> record. Like, oh, I forgot how to play an instrument. On the early records, I only recorded a couple things to a click because it used to make me feel uncomfortable. And yes. it's probably the inconsistency and problem with our early records yeah. is just me mm-hmm. not playing to a click. Dude, so, like, I used to say, uh, first time I went. First time I went in and played with a click, I was like, holy shit, I'm way off time. I was like, I didn't realize that I was sped everything up like this. Yeah. Uh, I was like, I had, to, I had to learn a lot too. I was just like, no. okay, yeah, need to get need to get this. I need. I am the backbone here, so what am I doing? <laughs> yeah, once you feel comfortable with it, though, I'm sure like you being a drummer, yeah. you know this. Like once you feel comfortable with it, it's like you're better at yeah. drumming forever. Like you're better at drumming without it. Like you hear things better. Like you understand. Yes. You really is when you're done. You're like, oh, I, I actually like you. I, I used like to just, feel it yeah. when, before you learn how to play. This was at least how it was for me. Before you learn how to play to like an actual metronome and you can do it confidently, like you say the word eighth note, but you have no idea what it means. <laughs> like, and then you like really learn how to play to like a click track and like you learn what it. And now you're like, no, like I like can see an eighth note now. Like yeah. I get it. <laughs> like, I love so. this eighth note. <laughs> That's amazing. So as, as we get ready to close down, um, a question that, that each of you, I, I'd love if you could answer. Um, out of all of the songs that you have out that are available for people to find and listen to, um, do you each have a song that you would want people to listen to or maybe a song that you're most proud of or that you like the most? Empty. It's not no. <laughs> no, no. I think, I think anybody listening right now should go do themselves a favor and get a box of tissues and go listen to empty with some headphones empty. with some headphones on because there's some really good stuff it's the last song off of the album mm-hmm. um if i know somebody is something you're already into empty is going to really take you there as well um it's quite the experience uh i had nothing to do with the track which is probably why it's my favorite <laughs> um yeah i have i don't have to critique myself at all i just right. it's it's fantastic it's probably my favorite one and i don't know if d has an answer I don't, yeah, I don't know. That's like really, really yeah. difficult. Jackknife. Jack- yeah. Go check out Empty and then Black Champagne. We <laughs> yeah. recorded it at Chaplin's. It's an old song. It's buried. It's hype. It's grungy. It's, if you're yeah. a grunge Bible fan, real, listen to Black Champagne. Real, it's the grunge. There we go. We got. <laughs> so that's my advice to that question. For sure. I love that's it. fantastic. And then I guess the final question then, if you guys... If you guys had to pick an album from the big four, the grunge, and you're you're you know had to take it with you on a road trip, um, where what band and what album? If you so can got off the top, Soundgarden, Pearl Jam, Nirvana, or Alice in Chains. I think we'd go Nirvana. We're going Nirvana. We're both gonna go Nirvana. Is that so what the band the listens band, to? I think the whole band. Alice in Chains is close for me. Uh, to be oh, honest okay. with you, it's very hard. The, the the only one we probably wouldn't all pick immediately is Pearl Jam, and it's not even because we dislike Pearl Jam. Mm-hmm. I actually think they're probably the best live band of the bunch. Okay, again, they're in the Foo Fighters realm yeah. of yeah. rock and roll Hall of Fame. They have that, yeah. Status, you know, they have that. So like, you know, and I actually am a Pearl Jam fan. At the end of the day, like, there's a bunch of stuff by them I like, but I think we all have to go Nirvana. I, Zach's not here though. Zach's gonna go. Soundgarden. Yeah, for sure. I'm pretty sure. Zach so Zach would go Soundgarden. Mm. I don't know what record. Um I'd go Audio Slave. 
so if we if we collectively as a whole band i think we probably all agree on nirvana um yeah. just because that was like a you know an angsty vulnerable start for it's all of us attitude, i think i think there's yeah. an attitude mm-hmm. that we all had with that uh Totally. Makes sense why they were so big. Everyone, that's what everybody liked. Dude, I don't know. It's I, hard. Not bleach for me. Not, it, not bleach for me. I'm either, in new terror. Like, uh, would it so be, I, yeah, I was gonna yeah. say because I mean, never mind. Obviously, almost by default, I feel like people choose. But uh, yeah, in utero, I, that no. would be that'd be my pick personally. That would be my a penny royalty is my favorite song by Nirvana. Okay. Like without I, a doubt, I, like that. Like, I can I can outspokenly say that. Uh, other than you know, you're right. Cause that, mm-hmm. yeah, right. that's intense when I hear it, yeah. but, uh, that's a big like territorial pissings. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. I don't know. I, it's it's hard. That's really hard. The Nirvana <laughs> box set. Yeah, the there best we go. Stuff. That's Nirvana perfect. This is the whole damn thing. thing. Nirvana box set with me, but it's clearly Nirvana though. Yeah, yeah. So Nirvana just Nirvana discography is coming with me. Yep. That's fantastic. Well, James and Dee, thank you. Thank you both so much for coming on. Really, really enjoyed uh, getting to sit down for the last hour and, and have these conversations. And um, I guess in closing, uh, where can people find you? I know we were talking about having to be a stockbroker, social media expert, graphic designer, but uh, you guys you guys are out there on uh, on, on the web and on, on various social media. Uh, where, where can people find you? Um, well, first off, Ethan and Chris, thank you so much for having us on the show. Uh, it was course. a super fun time. Uh, if you ever want us on again, we can talk about grunge the whole time. Now that we have this like PSA announcement about Chestnut Grove out there on your show. Right, we got to get your uh, name out there so people follow along and then they, yeah, they, want, they know your personalities and they actually want to hear the other stuff too. For sure, <laughs> but, uh, you just pry it open. Uh, yeah, the biggest but for sure. Oh, but, uh, I'm not going to stop talking about it for the rest no, of the day. It's, it's fine, but uh, you know, uh, uh, Chestnut Grove. You can look it up just the name on Google. It'll yep. probably lead you everywhere you need to go. Or the band, uh, not the retirement. Chestnut home. Grove dot the, band. Hotel. Yeah. Um. <laughs> you know, you can find us on Spotify. I'm pretty sure we even have Pandora. Yeah. You know, Apple Music. <laughs> Literally anywhere, anywhere you can look up Instagram, Chestnut Grove. Facebook, and every YouTube. every platform we have, we are just the band name. You don't yeah. have to be like some weird handle on Instagram or anything like that. Like our band name will come into the chase trying to find yeah. us. So yeah. Instagram, Spotify, Facebook, we don't post awesome. on Twitter. We should, um, <laughs> we do. We just don't tweet properly. Cause Zach should be the one doing that. Cause he's clever. But yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you could find us pretty much anywhere is convenient for you to look up chestnut grove absolutely and if you're listening uh these links will be linked in the show notes uh on whatever streaming service you are listening to this on so one-stop shop that's what we like yeah. here we go keep it simple we'll throw it up oh, on yeah. the story and stuff when we post it too so absolutely but Sweet. again thanks a lot for talking music i'm sure we'll have you guys on again and we'll talk some more and we're excited for the new ep to come out and uh as we like to say you know rock and roll guys well, hell yeah, rock, hey, rock and roll. Good to see you, Ethan. Uh, Chris, pleasure to meet you. Yeah, nice to meet see both you. of you. Thanks, Ethan. All Thanks right. again for having we'll us. We'll talk again later. See ya. All righty. Good to see ya. And there you have it. That was Chestnut Grove. Thank you, James and Dee, for that time. Um, they're they're great people, Chris. Really, uh, they great really people. are. Uh, they're just they're just music enthusiasts that have an awesome band that we get to listen to. So I'm glad that they were open. Uh, to doing that and to talking about their music, um, yeah, I really, I really like them. I'm excited to go back um, this summer and you know catch a live show at a brewery or something and just enjoy their music in person. 
Absolutely. I cannot wait for that new EP and um, really, really thankful that they were able to take the time to come on and talk music and, and, and just talk about the band and, and, and art. And uh, I think we're all better for having had those conversations. And I hope that everyone is better for having listened to that conversation. And uh, these conversations obviously don't happen without the help of our producer, Drew McFadden, our patrons, our listeners, our reviewers, our merch purchasers, um, our angry commenters, our, our, our good commenters, everyone in between. It takes a village, and uh, we're grateful for every single individual who is a part of the Grunge Bible Village because it allows us to do things like this and allows us to talk about music and, and, and share in music and, and hopefully share music with all of you that you may not know. And um, we look forward to continuing to do this for a long time. So thank you, as always, for your support. So without further ado... We're going to enter into our final segment of the episode of the show today, and that will yeah. be the song of the week. Song of the so, week. So, uh, Chris, you're going to go first. What have you been listening to, or what are you excited to listen uh, to? And I think I know we everybody knows where this is going uh, to go. Yeah, so. you, 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 you know what's coming here. Uh, we are going to Chestnut Grove's 2021 album that is called The Album, and my song of the week is going to be off of that album, and it is called Don't Mind a Thing. It is the fourth track on that album, and uh, it's one of my favorites, and I think you should all listen to it, and I know that I will be listening to that and the album and all of Chestnut Grove's music uh, for the days and weeks to come. Uh, like I said, really, really excited for that EP coming up and to hear the stylistic changes that they've made and just to hear their progression um, over the last couple of years since they since they wrote and recorded the songs on their most recent album. Amen to that. The whole album is is really well done. So yeah. uh, my song of the week is actually going to come off of that album as well. And little fun fact, so I'm double dipping here. We got a repeat because, offender. Yes, and so we talked to the band before and um, it's, it's all going to make sense. Um, but my song is Ain't Got Nobody, and it was a single. They released that before the album came out, before the album came out, and it's on there. So, um, But I actually had chosen this once before for a song of the week, so it's already on our playlist. But yeah. um, we are actually going to finish our episode the first time ever. We're going to play some music from a band that we just interviewed. So we are really excited. Um, they gave us permission to play any and all music, which is very gracious of them. Um, and they said if anybody if anybody flags or has any problems, that uh, to you know direct them right to them, and they'll take care of it. So we are excited, Chris. This is our first time that we're going to do something like this. This so, feels really good. Yeah, and it's something that I, I'm looking forward to doing with um, some more bands. So you have been able to hear um, a good conversation with these guys, and now you're going to get to hear their music without having to go anywhere else. Um, so... We are going to send you guys off. Uh, Chris, do you have anything do you have anything you want to say before we, we let the tape roll of Ain't Got No Body no, by just Chestnut keep those, Grove? Keep those headphones on, turn it up, and uh, listen and enjoy. That's really all you have to do. We'll catch up. You know where to find us. We'll be back here next week. Uh, but now I think it's time to listen to some Chestnut Grove. Yep, so enjoy the next few minutes. Um, this is Ain't Got No Body by this is chestnut grove with ain't got nobody so please enjoy and then go find them on the social uh media platform that you desire and um just have a great week and we will see you back same time same place next week take care everybody enjoy looking all around must be the wrong direction higher 
direction Been looking all around It must be the wrong direction Way down in the ground You must have the wrong perspective Cause 